Welcome to With Them Sounding Board, a podcast sharing powerful business tips, insights, and trends for those seeking to become a rock star in their industry. Welcome to Take Me to the Cloud podcast. I'm Kim Gordon, and I'm here with Walter Merkes. And today we're going to be discussing the auction process and things you need to consider in your auction business. Now, Wally, when I think of an auction, you, I mean, the first thing that comes to your head is usually the bidding process and then that's the general idea around it, but really I see it as a whole network of a, of a value chain, really. So you have your upstream suppliers, which in this case would be consigners, downstream buyers, but also internally you're getting all your different departments working together, such as your sales team, your e-commerce managers, your auction people, your valuation people, your warehousing, your storage. Um, they all need to be able to collaborate together and view what each are doing to see where different assets are in the auction process, um, how the, the sales are going, do they need to be resold in another auction? All, all those different things need to be considered. I think in an auction process, it's the connectivity of teams that really defines the effectiveness of an auction solution that you incorporate. A, a proper solution would take a blend of sales, valuation, e-commerce, and warehousing that makes auction a very distinct model. What do you think? Yeah, I, I like how you broke that down between the um, you know pre-auction, auction, and post-auction sort of buckets, if you will. And I like the way you sort of talked about the upstream and downstream. And I and you know as we go through and start to work with auction houses and think about how they're looking at it, really they have this asset, and this asset is either owned by a consigner or it comes from somewhere, and then they're then turning around and selling that asset to their buyers. And so that whole process to go from asset ingestion to validating and providing a proposal back to the consigner and setting expectations all the way through to selling that asset at an, at an auction and then ultimately delivering that asset in some way, shape or form to a buyer is really the life cycle here. And I think that's what we're you know, gonna chat a little bit about. Let's focus on that first phase, if you will, the consigner and, and the asset and whatever type of auction, um, that auction house that you are, whether it be, you know, cars or art or, or jewelry or wine. When you look at that asset, each of those assets would be handled differently. So today's focus won't be about how to handle and, uh, the different assets, although that may come into play as we discuss it. The focus will be more on how to process an asset and go through the, the overall process from start to finish. So when we think of a consigner, a consigner owns an asset in some way, shape or form. They could be collectors. They could be high net worth individuals. They could be you know, someone who inherited an estate. All these folks are, are part of what the sales team would seek to find consigners who are willing to take their assets and put them up on the block, so to speak, and have them run through an auction. And so as I start to think about working with a consigner, there's a relationship here, a sales relationship and a trust factor that you're going to do right by whatever this asset is. And so as you start to think of that relationship, it really is a sales uh, comfort, confidence, uh, especially with collectors and folks who are really passionate about those particular assets. It's going to even be more so uh, than, say, someone who inherited an estate is really just looking to uh, garner dollars for the, for that asset. So right. as we it's almost like, um, sorry, Wally, it's almost like that the sales team is very much responsible for quality management in a lot of ways, too. 
Yeah, that's 100% correct. Quality management. And as they start to think about that asset, so I'll work with someone. So Kim, if you had a particular asset, you had an old uh, you know, 56 vehicle and, and you wanted to sort of sell that vehicle on an auction, what we could do is then look at that. And it means something to you. It's a value to you. And so what we would do is collectively, what we, what we see in this space is collectively working together to get an appraisal on that particular asset. So in that case, that asset might be worth, you know, 20 or 30 or $40,000. And so there's an appraisal where the sales team and the appraisers of the asset would start to work together. And ultimately you're leading towards a proposal. Hey Kim, I think I can fetch you know, $40,000 for that car or whatever the number is. And then of that number, the auction house is gonna take a percentage and the consigner gets a percentage. And then that's the negotiation, that's the sale here. That's the proposal. And so now we say to Kim, hey Kim, here's a proposal for this particular asset. And then there's an agreement in place. And so now we have, you know, the completion, if you will, of that consigned inventory that's ready for auction. You know, as I think about the next step of it, and I think this is where we can have a bit of a debate, Kim, is on the ingestion of that asset. How are we going to get that asset? So in this case, this asset, might, uh, the appraiser's probably seen some pictures. The appraiser's has communication with, with the consigner. And now we're actually going to see this asset probably for maybe for the first time. And so we start to look at this asset. And so what was supposed to be pristine may not be pristine. Uh, what was supposed to be perfect might have a dent in it. Uh, leather seat might be torn, et cetera. So all these things would be factored into uh, the very fact of how we're gonna ingest that asset. When we think of ingesting an asset, do we have to put that car on a trailer and move it across state to get it to wherever it needs to be so that we can review it? If it's wine, do we need to bring it over in cool storage so that it gets to a place? If it's an art, low humidity uh, uh, transportation, all these assets will be slightly different in how you move them from point A to point B. But eventually they end up somewhere we need to receive them, we need to inspect them, and then we need to have a final you know, expectation setting, if you will, with the, with the consigner. And I think, you know, as we start to think about that expectation setting, what was maybe once worth, you know, $40,000 as a car, uh, and we thought we might be able to get you 40, we just found a great big scratch down the side. And now I don't think we're going to be able to get you 40. So now there can be this whole back and forth and discussion around what that asset might be worth and what it will fetch on auction. So and it so almost goes back to once you find those errors and it's almost like you get thrown back at the beginning of the process again, in a way, you have to reevaluate what you're going to do. I think you're right. The inspection will lead to some sort of disposition and the disposition will be it was exactly as, as we thought it would be pristine. It's perfect. This is what we're going to get. It's not quite what we thought it would be. Uh, there's a scratch. There's a dent. There's a uh, piece of paint missing off the arc. There's a chip in the diamond. There's spillage over top of the of the wine label. Whatever it is, whatever the the inspection revealed, will lead to another conversation with the buyer and another opportunity to set expectations and allow for that buy that that sorry that consigner to say, yeah, that's not what I was thinking. I, just give me my asset back. Or okay, I get it, and and let's see what we can do at auction. So all of those things would happen in that ingestion of, of the asset. What we talked a little bit, about, and you alluded to, Kim, and, and maybe you can elaborate a little bit more on this, are the teams involved here? 
So I just talked about some of the processes involved in there, but let's just think about the sales team, the warehouse team. What are some of the teams involved that you can see that might be pulling in that ingestion of asset? Well, certainly the given that the inventory has to be tracked all the way through, warehouse is already involved. Um, it's already going to be on the radar, of course, the core auction team. They should get full visibility of that process. And if they don't, that may mean they're missing some data elements. Marketing is a huge part of this. They, could, they need to get the, the buyers comfortable once it gets through the whole process, right? So marketing is following this all the way through. Sales, they're pairing right up with the, the valuation specialists as well. Or it, you can call them inspectors, valuation specialists, but they're actively involved in the team. So not only are these separate teams having their own functions, they have to be acutely aware of what each other are doing so that they can be triggered and what they're going to do. It, it's a very closely followed process by all parties. Yeah, I love that. And, you know, in our previous conversations where we talk about CRM or customer relationship management tools, a lot of these uh, buyers, so an auction house is going to be, you know, probably folks are bringing you their assets because you've already got a relationship. There's already a secret sauce in that space and you're viewed as as right up there with the collector. So if I'm a collector of fine wine, I might go to a uh, an auction house that specializes in fine wine. If I'm a collector of fine art and uh, or, or old cars or vintage cars or whatever it is I'm a collector of, I'm going to align probably with the secret sauce of, of an auction house that might already be in that space. So as I start to think about customer relationship management and connecting to the buyers, using marketing to drive through that, it starts at that asset. What assets can be made available? And marketing and sales are working hand in hand to make sure the stickiness of the buyer, because the buyer is the key here, and the buyer and optimizing that the, the, the asset for the buyer and making sure that you have enough assets to keep those buyers continuously interested. So love that you brought that in. If we move, I think we can move. So now we've sort of, you know, evaluated sort of that initial step, which was the consigner element to me, the appraisal, the proposal. We now have the asset here and we're ready to sort of start dealing with it. The next step is sort of thinking about the auction itself. And I think the point here today is that typically you'll see a separate system and an actual day of auction, if I can say that. And a day of auction would include online, live, you know, think eBay type. But these... English auction oriented or bid based oriented platforms would 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 provide an opportunity to connect and track buyers at multiple buying points of an auction. What that does is allows for buyers to have an experience. There's an emotional element to an auction, and I think that's well known and thought through. So that emotional piece needs to translate. And as you start to think of the epidemic and and sort of how people are now interacting in auction, that is actually moving more and more online. And you still need to have that emotional connection to your buyers so that they're feeling the 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 the, the excitement and the je ne sais quoi of buying an asset or something. So when you start to look at a, an auction tool, it, the auction tool needs to have all of the things you're expecting. It needs to be able to list, it has a catalog, 
It needs to have bid increments and there's reserve prices and proxy bidding and all of those things that we would normally see uh, on a live auction. And we need to have our buyers get jazzed by what they're seeing. So maybe there's a leaderboard or a bid board and all sorts of different things. You know, and if we think of, you know, older auctions like eBay, that eBay type where, you know, the last few hours and few moments before that that sort of last few moments before that auction closed was the scale up and ramp up of the price points. So generating that excitement is the piece and the biggest thing that that auction uh, platform has got to do and allow for that. Hey, Wally, if I may comment on that real quick, it seems like with the migration to purely online um, activities, auction included, you mentioned that it's important to get the, the buyers excited. And now it seems like marketing even plays a greater role because the buyers can't see these products that are full of sentimental value a lot of times. And then the, the connection to it has to be built even, even more so because they don't have that tangible experience. So the customer experience is focused on even more in a way now. Yeah, I to- totally agree with that. And that that is the key is getting marketing involved as early as possible. And it's all about the experience. If, if we lose them, remember, so an auction might take place over the course of four or five hours online in front of a computer. It is hard to maintain somebody's focus uh, for four to five hours. If we're all together in an arena, even maintaining four to five hours in that environment is hard and you're seeing people come and go. So now if they're coming and going, we have to make sure that the lists of product or or assets that you're selling are well available. People know approximately the timing that you're going to go through there. So even think of little things like we are three minutes behind or we are four minutes behind here. We are on auction item number 78 of 264. We are at lot X, et cetera. All those things need to be part and parcel of that auction platform so people can stay connected and still live their day-to-day life. They're going to reconnect. They're going to go over here for a bit. They're going to come back and they can kind of see where they are. And I think those things are very important as we think of the solutions. I guess I guess the next phase in auction is we do have to eventually collect some money or at least identify proof of payment. So typically what you would see here is some form of payment. I've won the bid. I, I've got the hammer and I've won the hammer and now I've got to um, uh, transact in some way, shape or form. Those transactions may or may not be inside your auction platform. They could be inside of, I'll refer to something as an ERP today, but enterprise resource planning tool or accounting package or just payment processor. So there would be some form of transactional relationship that could go back and forth. Many auction houses on, on high value items will pre uh, qualified buyers. And all of those things I didn't really talk about um, in the pre-auction, but you could actually have a pre-authorization uh, again prior to the auction to make sure that your buyers that are in there are actually eligible and viable buyers. And those are all things that are specific to the types of assets that you're 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 working with, etc. So the final, I'll just close out on the on the on the transactional piece. There's a proof of payment. You know, if I bought something for a thousand dollars, I now have to pay for it. We have to make sure that before any assets depart, whether they leave the auction house on on day of auction or whether they're going back to a warehouse and we're shipping logistically, we have to make sure that payment is a hundred percent received prior to. Does that make sense, uh, Kim, on the consigner side? Yeah, completely. 
And then that really brings us to what happens post-auction. Yuri mentioned the financial transactions, which can hand occur either during or after, but then it really links back to how you're going to manage the logistics. Sometimes you don't really pick up a product right away. Um, you may leave it in storage and some auction houses do serve as storage facilities as well. So it really depends on the asset type. You gave examples of cars, art. I mean, art has very special conditions. So you're going to have to really ramp up your facilities to be specialized to that particular asset type. And that's why a lot of auction houses are usually focused on one thing. You'll see ones are diversified, but they won't probably offer storage facilities unless they also have diversified storage facilities as well to cater for those different types. Yeah, I think you're right. So each of these post-auction, I think, really comes down to the asset type like you alluded to. So if we are talking art, we need, you know, low humidity. We need transportation that factors into that. We need insurance on the on the logistics, on the outbound shipping. And we need a someone to receive that outbound shipping on the other side. So it's not just simply sending a UPS package uh, or a FedEx package and saying, here you go, uh, our auction is finished. It's really about understanding that asset and going through and matching the logistics or the outbound shipping with the type of asset and with the type of buyer. So if I have a low value item and I'm just I'm I'm sending lots of these, then maybe UPS and FedEx are the answer. Um, but if I start to get into high value or temperature controlled or humidity controlled, uh, or just large items like a vehicle that require a trailer, then I'm going to need specialty elements here. Chances are for those folks that are listening to this that are in those businesses, they know their logistics business quite well. That's what separates typically what separates you from others is you do understand the asset very well and you understand both how to ingest it and ship it out. Um, to make sure that you're you're, um, you're treating that asset appropriately and not doing damage in that process as you go through it. So to me, post-auction is all about what type of assets are you dealing with, high value, low value, size, and then are there anything, um, is there anything that uh, requires uh, adjustment to temperature or the environment to make sure you get it. And if you just think of wine for a second, if it's in the middle of August and it's 100 degrees out, chances are we do not want to ship that wine on a given time. So just bringing that back to storage, auction houses sometimes will have separate contracts to store assets for a period of time. And those will vary. Uh, ongoing permanent, uh, which would might require a separate contract, not might require, should require a separate contract. And then uh, temporarily just to get through whatever hurdle we have, high heat, high humidity, et cetera. And we just don't want to send that asset or it's just the timing's not right. There's not going to be anybody there. So all those things need to be set to be thought through as you go through and figure out your post-auction logistics management um, and how you're going to ship uh, and collect your money. And that's really about it, Kim, I think, on the post-auction side. Well, you know, we really walked through the ingestion of the asset from the consigner all the way to the sale of the asset to the buyer. We went through the entire process. Thank you for listening. If you have any questions, you can contact us at witham.com. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you'll be first in line to hear what's coming next don't want to wait for our next episode, check us out at witham.com. That's W-I-T-H-U-M.com.